0: Hello there, thanks for joining us on the Christ Covenant Sermon Talk Back. The Sermon Talk Back is where pastors and members of Christ Covenant can process the sermon, ask questions, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you do have a question you would like to have dialogued, please use our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. And if you'd like to find more resources, visit christcovenant.com slash resources. We hope you enjoy the discussion.
1: So we um, jumped to do a series yesterday. We're, we're, we're talking a lot about the vision of the church, where we're heading in the next couple years. Um, I think a great place to go for this is uh, Paul's um, epistles to the church. I mean, you could have picked any one. Uh, Philippians, um, you know, he loves the Philippian church so much, Um it's kind of the first major church after the Macedonian call of Paul. And so, and they were really just a great church for him. Um, and Christ covenant is such a great church. So maybe, <laughs> maybe that's where I was like, well, let's, let's just kind of, it's, it's a positive letter. It's not an indicting letter or anything. Right. And so there's a lot of, a lot of things to celebrate in there. Thank so God said, you didn't go to
2: first Corinthians. I know,
1: that's, I know the Corinthian church, a, not as uh, story, not as uh, good. So Anyway, I just said, let, let's just kind of meditate on this, and we're not going to go through the whole book, but we're going to kind of hit, we're going to be like 60% of it um, over the next few weeks. So uh, I'm excited about this whole little study, but yesterday we, we kind of talked about pursuing maturity as a church and looked at these first few verses in the book of Philippians, and it, it is a call to maturity. It's a call to um, the, the completion of God's work in the life of a believer, um, so... Uh, I've got Jordan Coughlin and Jennifer McClish here uh, to talk about it. Uh, Jennifer, what were your impressions as you listened to the sermon?
0: Well, I loved how you started with who we are and um, and how Philippians is a call to the church to be who they're supposed to be. And you brought in um, 1 Peter two nine, talking about how um, we're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, yeah. people for his own possession. And I love that phrase that we've been called out of darkness into marvelous light and to really meditate on that to how motivating it is to remember who you are and who you belong to. And that's the place that God always starts when he, um, before he tells us, and now this is what you must do. And when that really, when I grew in my own spiritual maturity, understanding that who I am in God, it actually transformed my parenting in particular where i was thinking about how to motivate my kids especially as they grow older i could just hear the fear in me when i would be like reminding them of the rules like keep the rules and like they walk out the door and i'd be like be careful and remember this and remember that i got tired of hearing myself even yeah and then i realized wait what they really what i really want for them is to remember who they are to remember who they belong to um, and so, sometimes I actually say that sometimes um, to my teenager now when he walks out the door. Remember who you are. Remember who you belong to. Mm. Um, but how much more motivating that is, and beautiful it's like the lion that is. King. Yeah. <laughs> remember who you are. I. Yeah.
1: Uh, we watched a lot of The Lion King around our house. Oh so, yeah. It's I, a great movie. I, I can yeah. hear the voice of Mufasa. But no, um, I mean, it it is a call to it's. It, What Paul is doing here, and I talked about this with, I gave the little Nick Saban illustration, Mm -hmm. it's a call to greatness. It's a call to who you are. And we forget that we're a people of God's own possession, that Mm -hmm. we're God's people. Mm -hmm. And we get so distracted by these little earthly things that are so temporary, that are so fading. Paul's really good about this, obviously, throughout his epistles. He's always kind of calling the church, guys, Remember who you are. Remember what your life really is. Remember where your position really is. It's not in the small and temporal things of this world. It, you are seated with Christ. You are a chosen race. You're, you know, as you mentioned the first the first Peter, that's obviously Peter, not Paul, but you are the temple. You are the, the people that God has called to be his own possession. Right. And if that's true, you know, and that, and the, really the God of the universe, the same God who is sovereign over every square inch of creation is working in our lives, um, then that is magnificent. Changes and that everything. Ch- changes everything. Yeah.
2: And I was thinking as you were you were talking about, you know, the greatness and the and the glory of God. I, I just had the thought like this is such a humbling, noble calling. Mm-hmm. You know, it 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 positions us in a position of humility first. Like I cannot believe that God, you know, Wants to work in me and and through me, but then there also is this sense of nobility to it, right? right? Oh that, yeah. That, there's there's purpose to my life now. Um, there's there's a there's a significant calling uh, because of the caller, right? That's God good. has called me, and therefore they, I'm I'm to, to go about it.
0: He dignifies know? humanity yeah. in that way. He brings more dignity to humanity than anything we can do and you know we
1: we were talking about this jordan i mean this is not nobody yesterday was like that has been in church for any number of times heard what i said yesterday and was like oh like god (laughs) is working in me like god has called me to be his people like that's a very church thing to say and to believe but has it actually changed your life has it actually Done anything in your life? Has it does it actually change the way that you live and behave and work and move and uh, and even just think about the the world around you?
2: Yeah, and, it, and that that was one of uh, just the things that I, I saw in my own life as I was listening to your message. But then, as I was thinking about it more, I think applies to so many of us that you know the the Christianity and following God is not just truth. it is, it is truth, but it's truth that actually compels me and changes me. And and so I appreciated you making that point because I think so often we can hear those things, hear these glorious truths, but either stop at, wow, that's a great point or listen to it and and but then not see or have any change in my life and think it must not be true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and so I just appreciated your connection in walking through Philippians one where no, this, this identity change that God has given us actually leads to, we can actually look and evaluate, okay, does, is my life being changed by this? Not I have to do these things, right. but it's evidence, it's fruit of that I really believe mm-hmm. that my identity is in Jesus, right? And so, you know, you walk through love, you walk through knowledge, you walk through purity, you walk to, through, you know, fruit of righteousness. And I just, I think for all of us, as we're evaluating our day to day lives, it's not just do I believe this, but do I, do I see my life being increasingly changed by yeah. this?
1: And, and I think the question also becomes what is the big thing? And so we think the big thing is making the big deal or the big thing is winning the presidential election or whatever, or the big thing is growing the big organization or the big thing is making enough money to remodel your house or go on a great vacation. Those are the big important things. But if it's God that's working in you to produce love and knowledge and purity and fruit, the fruit of righteousness, then the big thing, the thing that really matters is how you treat the guy that you're making the deal with, right? Mm-hmm. The big thing is your own purity. The fact that you've overcome sin and mm-hmm. that you're defeating sin, the big thing, is that you're operating from a position of knowledge of God and not being swayed by the world around you? The big thing is the fruit that you're producing for the kingdom of god and And that's where I think we believe this thing, these things our, our orthodoxy is Christian, our orthopraxy is humanistic. Mm-hmm. And so we we live out humanistic and and again. Obviously like going to work and making a deal or remodel. I mean, I, I, I always like nudge people on these things <laughs> and I don't want people to think that it's like wrong to remodel your home or whatever. Like right. that's a good thing to do, it's fine, it's good. But it's ve- those things can very be- quickly become ultimate and they can right. become the things that you look at to say, yeah, I am a successful, I am doing big things, my life matters, my life counts and that those things aren't evidential that God, Mm -hmm. the God of the universe is at Mm -hmm. work in your life. But if you're willing, I mean, I gave a lot of examples from the second century church. If you're willing to bless someone who's persecuting you, Mm -hmm. then that's kind of otherworldly. That's evidence that God is at work in your life. If you're willing to like love and be compassionate and kind to someone, even if it might cost you your own life, that's evidence that you're living for more than just the 80 years that we have on here and that you actually see yourself as an eternal being in yeah. God. And,
0: I, and you also can see when those things don't go well, like the deal or the remodel or the cultural climate, you can see that in terms of God is still working in you. In fact, right. that's what he's using to produce these things in you. Uh Right. So, then, yeah.
1: and if that's true even when the uh unfortunate thing happens mm-hmm. or the sad thing happens you can have the view of like well the lord is going to produce something in this rather than like this is an inconvenience that's mm-hmm. keeping me away from the really important big things that
2: i'm supposed to be doing right, right yeah now, right? and we so often base we we equate scale with significance right mm. and and so i'm I'm evaluating like, is this big enough to really make me significant? Yes. And so I need to have a big deal. Okay, therefore I'm significant. I need to, you know. And what some of the most humbling experiences for me as a pastor was sitting with people who deal with chronic illness Mm -hmm. where their life has been, you know, minimized to them barely being able to get out of bed. And success and victory in a day is, you know, praying for someone. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I've taken so much from those moments because I've had to work through wow, their life is not any less significant That's right. than, mm-hmm. than the preacher who's preaching to millions of people. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. God has called them to this. And, and like Philippians said, God is working in them. By helping them to love others even in the midst of suffering, by giving them the strength to be able to you know get out of bed and do these things and and it's like, man, it gets back to that the nobleness of the calling mm-hmm. because God is calling me to this mm-hmm. yeah
1: if 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 when we get to i mean I don't know that this is going to happen or this is just my imagination, but I like to imagine it this way, like when I'm in the presence of God if there was a garden, okay, that was illustrative of my life, or let's just, let's call it a grove of trees that was illustrative of my life and the big things that I've accomplished. I think a lot of the really big things that I think I've done for the Lord when I walk in that grove will just be like the little sapling trees. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that seemed very insignificant will be the mighty oaks that Mm -hmm. are just like massive and huge. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, like that person who's in the hospital bed, their grove, if they're faithful in those regular prayers, I can see being the big mighty oak. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like the famous preacher who, oh, by the way, is like really wealthy and is enjoying a lot of, I mean, this is kind of the whole thing that Jesus is saying, enjoying a lot of the fruits of that labor now. Those things, and they're not, it's not that, they're unimportant they're important they're good but they may be saplings in in God's economy they may not be the real evidences that God is at work in life you know Blake Rogers challenged us in our staff meeting this morning and I thought it was awesome it was a great challenge coach Blake um <laughs> but it's easy in ministry and I've certainly been guilty of this and I'm certainly susceptible to this so let me just let me ask for the accountability of the sermon talk back audience right now, you know, but, uh, listeners. uh yeah. but I, um, it's easy to get so focused on the processes of ministry, which seem so big and important. They're going to serve a lot of people mm-hmm. that you can kind of miss the like little things, little tasks, little ways to serve people that are right in front of your face. You know, now again, there's the balance there. right? I mean, you, can, you know, the, the process things are not unimportant too, but, but it's easy to, Always, I think we can get comfortable and we can remove ourselves from those kinds of day to day, hard, gritty activities because, oh, well, I've got this important thing to be doing. Mm. By the way, I really enjoy this important thing. And by (laughs) the way, it's kind of relaxing and, you know, it's, you know, it's stimulating and I'll be praised for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm and we run away from the things that really probably nobody's going to thank us for yeah. and they're kind of hard and they're and they don't make us feel stronger but those are the things that are those are the settings I guess you would say that where we can really kind of evidence this stuff out
2: mm-hmm. when i love the the both end nature of this right you have Jesus says, you know, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much, right? So there is, a, there is a, uh, a growing impact based upon the faithfulness that we demonstrate in private and with the little things. But also, those things in and of themselves are significant. That's good, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, yeah. That when I'm faithful in the little, uh, that's significant because God has called me to do that yes and and so it might seem insignificant to me but i don't have to just look to oh well if i do it now then maybe i can get bigger things and be mm-hmm. faithful in bigger things it's like yeah lord says that but also i'm i'm glorifying god right now yeah. mm-hmm. and and that's
1: important and 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 not and that's not all like doing stuff I mean, we're we're spending a lot of time talking about doing stuff yeah. like loving people is is can maybe be active and you know fruit of righteousness maybe that's an active thing but Another one of those things is purity, right? I mean, just, you know, you inviting accountability for that sin, I'm talking to the person listening right now, you inviting accountability for the sin in your life that actually will lead to light and lead to repentance and lead to victory over that sin is an oak of righteousness. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these oaks that I'm talking about. That is a great victory that's evidence of God's work in your life. So uh, there's so many aspects of the Christian life here. It's, it's our life in community. And obviously, we, we, we're we seeing this played out in community, but it's our fighting of sin. It's our efforts for the Lord. It's our understanding of who God is and, 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 uh, and not being pushed around and swayed by the wind of the day and the world around us. Mm. So.
0: That reminds me of a question that I had uh, listening about when you talked about the difference between being a formed um, people as opposed to reactionary and what yeah. that would look like in the you know in the day-to-day
1: yeah i mentioned this um in the little panel that we did with dr moeller last week and um there was a, a guy that i really like this guy's a super nice guy but he's um uh, he's theologically more much more liberal than we are and you know teaches at a seminary here and we were getting coffee one time and he said you know i i'm frustrated that our theology the theology of my seminary i thought this was an amazing confession for him to make too especially to a guy that he knew was more theologically orthodox um he said uh, the theology of our seminary is so reactionary it's not formed it's 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 and so it there's no coherence about it and that's a really good like little small analogy for kind of where most of the world is there's no coherence to their thought there's no continuity to it it's it's because it's all like little reactions kind of put together mm-hmm. and so you know i'll just u- i'll just keep using doctrine and theology as a, um as an example so for example like let's say you know the bible is pretty clear um that god's design for marriage for example is a lifelong union right mm-hmm. there there are some biblical grounds for divorce but those are always you know they're the result of sin. I mean, the result of, right. and so there, there's no such thing, for example, as no-fault divorce, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but there's going to be people in your churches that have gone through a no-fault divorce. So what what preachers have tended to do, just to use this example, is they've had to kind of create a theology that accepts those people. They've reacted to mm. uh, these people being in their church. And so what does that do? The problem with that is when you push that domino over, eventually it gets to the very essence of what marriage is. And so now that domino is uh, collapsing. And really our whole cultures uh, like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. this whole like transgender conversation that we're having right now, you meet someone that's having gender dysphoria and, and of course you wanna like react to them in a loving and kind and compassionate mm-hmm. way, and say, I understand that you know maybe we should allow this you know child to pursue a sex change because that's the compassionate and merciful thing to do. And and I think that these people are operating from a position of compassion and mercy. So I'm not there, there's some intuition there mm-hmm. that I'm actually praising as mm-hmm. a Christian pastor. I hope you hear that. However, because it's reactionary and not formed. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a situation where you're collapsing this natural category, gender, for example, Mm -hmm. that is scientific, that is real, and that gives kind of form to the culture. And once you lose that, um, once you lose kind of one of the most basic fundamental identifiers, then who is anyone, right? Right. Um, And obviously it's created a whole um upheaval you know even for example the transgender movement just to use that example even in the whole lgbtq community you know um you know for example like transgender is an affront to feminism because Mm -hmm. what is feminism right transgender (laughs) is an affront to uh you know even like homosexuality you know Mm -hmm. there was a comedian recently that said you know um, being gay is useless if you don't know who the men are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, so there's got to be some definition to even have these other categories. And if mm-hmm. you kind of rip away the, the base definition of human identity, mm-hmm. male, female, uh, you've really, t- so all that to say... You know, and again, then where do you go from there? Like, can I just be a cat? Can I just be a bear or something? You know, you know. and again, I, people say, oh, you're making light of this. I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying to make light of the real psychological issue, mm-hmm. issue of gender uh, dysphoria. So I, I want to treat that person with incredible care and compassion. So I, I want to make that very clear. But what I don't want to do is just be reactionary to that pain in a way that leads me down a path that may lead to more pain, right? I want to have a form. I want to have, I want to be formed. I don't want to just be reactionary. And and what God has done actually, is He, God, who designs everything, Mm -hmm. has communicated to us. He's sent His Son, Jesus, to be the embodiment of His fullness. He's given us the Bible, whereby which He's given us some order and direction that we can now, rather than just being reactionary to different emotions or situations that we feel, Mm -hmm. actually have a form that we know is ideal and right and perfect. Now we understand, again, the Bible helps us here. We understand we live in a fallen world. And so we understand that there's things that are acting outside of this form in order everywhere, right? So Mm -hmm. for us to meet somebody with gender dysphoria, for example, is not like an odd thing. Mm -hmm. We we should expect that in a fallen world. For Mm -hmm. us to meet a divorced couple that got a divorce for what they say is no fault, we shouldn't say, oh, that's strange. We should say, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a fallen world. People don't understand this form rightly. Mm -hmm. But as Christians, we are the kind of people that shouldn't be yeah. like that, that shouldn't be reactionary to everything, but the the kind of people who are pursuant of the true form that God has revealed in his son and in his word. That's a really long answer, very but helpful. that's what I was yeah. trying yeah. to say yesterday. Yeah. Um, and that's what I mean when I talk about being formed mm-hmm. um, or having a form that you're right. going after and not just being reactionary. And, and actually that's very, very different than... The world. And and mm-hmm. I would even say, and I'm sorry, I probably go too long here. I would even say a lot of what I see out of Christians mm-hmm. is reactionary rather than formed Christianity. Right. So a Christian, for example, who sees, you know, for example, let's say like the, the transgender confusion that's going on right mm-hmm. now, and their reaction to that is to like be hateful or to like move toward like white supremacy movements or Mm -hmm. to move toward you know even even unapologetically move toward president trump right Mm -hmm. who is not a model of order and decency and christian behavior in any sort of way right Right. and they may know that intuitively but they may say well he's our best only hope here Mm -hmm. and so let's get behind him full bore. You have to understand that in and of itself is a reaction. You're not having a formed way of thinking there. It's only reactionary thinking. Mm-hmm. And and that's what the church in the 2nd century not perfectly. I mean they were sinners too, right? So I'm not right. trying to say these people were perfect, but it, I think it is a good model because from from what we know, they, they really didn't fall into a lot of that that
2: it seems like Christians are falling into today. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, to, I loved how you brought in the second second century church. I think it we do we do look at the culture and we do respond to it, but our our reaction and that response should be to the Lord and and what we know to be true about God. Which then helps us to respond to the culture. And that, that's where, you know, whether whether you're in this day and age, whether you talk about politics or, you know, the sexual revolution or, you know, name your issue. I see a lot of Christians, they they think they need to react, but it's it's not let's look at God's word to help me make sense of this and to respond in a biblical way. Way it's a reaction that to your point is like these dominoes that we don't even see what's happening because Uh we're just so overwhelmed by what's going on in the culture.
0: It's almost like when you read the word from a um, morality standpoint, or you're reading the law as if you're taking it back, like I can do this, like a self-righteousness, it does create this environment where like this kind of tribes these different people that you're you're identifying with as opposed to how we started this whole conversation your identity is found in god he he has formed you and is forming you into the image of christ i mean
1: that is a really really good point and that's exactly what the pharisees around the time of jesus Mm. were doing you know they were trying to be so rejectionary of sin or whatever but they weren't responding with kingdom godliness this kind of goes to the axis thing that i talked about in the justice kingdoms politics series where mm-hmm. you see something on this side of the horizontal line and you pull all the harder which really is christians because we're formed mm-hmm. we have a form in the form that i'm talking about here i'm using kind of platonic language here but to talk about Jesus, like there is a true form. And the form that we're talking about here is the son of God who's right. God has, is the fullness of God, God. who's yeah. been
2: manifested to us. Yeah. We, I was talking to Jason earlier, we, uh, me and my wife and my three boys just watched the original Ben-Hur mm. and then the newer version of Ben-Hur, it's like 2016 or something. The original's much, much better. (laughs) But the one of the few things that the newer one does, I feel like, well, is kind of show you kind of the cultural landscape of that time. Mm. And it it really impacted me. We watched this a few days ago. Just you had this Roman, you know, empire that was hugely influential. Mm. You had the zealots. Who, who were fighting against the Roman Empire and, and Christians in some way being like, oh, should we join them? You know, right, overthrowing. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. And then you had the Pharisees who were saying, you know, this religious form where, you know, no, you need to do these things. We need to protect this. And so, you know, it, it just, it highlighted for me, like there's confusion in any time of history. Yes. Mm. And, and it reminded me, Oh, but Christians in that day and age and, you know, second century Christians that you talked about on Sunday, like what they did was they went to the word of God mm-hmm. and and they went to the teachings of Jesus to understand, oh, these are not the solution. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the solution and being formed by, by him. And true Christians will always do that, right?
1: So the thing that's being labeled Christianity right now, that's just like a, what I'll just call for lack of a better term like a far right reaction to the left but it doesn't really look like Jesus but they're kind of carrying the Christian label that will just be another cultural icon in the future that that won't last that won't survive but the true church will survive and the people that are formed around Jesus will continue and they'll continue because Christ is at work among them And I know that was something you wanted to talk about. Yeah,
2: no, I I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I I just appreciated your emphasis on the community that God has brought us into. God saves us, not individuals, but he saves us into a family, into a community where we work these things out. Mm -hmm. And it's, that is part of God's good design. And so I just, I really appreciated you highlighting that. I think we need to hear it over and over and over again, particularly in the increasingly individualistic culture that we live in, where we even read the Bible as an individual, Mm -hmm. right? God is doing a good work in me. Well, yes, he is. He's doing that in the midst of a broader community and family. And, And I think that helps us. You made the point on Sunday. It's when we become isolated, that's when we tend to drift towards you know wrong thinking or wrong living and so there's a protection but then also I think there's a strength in the way that God has designed this that he has given me a community to help me be formed by Christ. Mm
0: -hmm. And how you pushed on what that really looks like because in our current day we can listen to a podcast like this we can um, watch on TV we can do a lot of things that feel like we're a part of a community but you really pressed home, that it's it's commitment, this mm-hmm. is a covenant, you, yeah. you are in the body, you're participating in service, in community group, in um, Bible study together.
1: Yeah, you, you ever um, engage with, I, I've engaged with a lot of new believers in Muslim communities just through some missionary friends that I have, and there, there's almost like a little battle going on it's it's not, am I going to be a Christian or um, not a Christian, uh, as in like a impartial middle party kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's basically like, am I gonna be a Christian or a Muslim, right, I mean, that's kind of, am I gonna stay faithful to Christ or am I gonna go back to Islam, the culture that I'm around? Um, and, and I think what's missed in America, a Christian you know nation, if you will, Really, the battle for the soul is, are you going to be a Christian, a true Christ follower who believes that the God of the universe is at work in you, or are you going to be a humanist? Now, that humanist may have Christian labels, right? And so it's getting a little harder to discern as if we than if we were in some sort of like Muslim country. but that's really, I mean, if you're listening to this, I want you to hear this. That's really a decision you're making every day, right? Are you going to live like Jesus, give yourself to his body, to his church, to his community, give yourself to his truth, give yourself to his work, or are you going to be a humanist and, and you know, maybe carry a little bit of a Christian label, but give yourself to these kind of self-idolatrous, human-minded, humanistic-minded Kind of way of life, and mm. it's 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 every bit as prevalent as the guy in the Muslim community, really. Mm-hmm. Um you know are you you know you may you know you may not get killed for becoming a christian i mean it's, it's a little bit of a different pressure but mm-hmm. um, but it's
2: no less radical that's what's I, happening I think that's what exactly you're saying. yeah it's yeah. it's no less radical and that and that's what jesus says right that we have <laughs> i think we failed to appreciate you you yeah. must lose your life yeah. in order to find it but it's more subtle in america which makes it actually more dangerous exactly I, yeah i think I I almost it's more wish
1: palatable. Palatable. It was clearer yeah. Right? yeah 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 so well, good conversation jennifer you got anything else <laughs> no, I thought Guys, it how great was is crazy. how great is Jennifer McClish. So for Jordan Collinlin and Jennifer McClish, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks so much for listening.